0: Okay, here we go. John 18, let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity now to study your word. Give us insight, we pray. Open our eyes to see. Give us understanding and revelation. Thank you for the truth that makes us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, John 18, verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore answered, uh, said to him, You are a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I came, uh, I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, "What is truth?" And so we began a series a couple of weeks ago called "True or False," and today I want to continue with those that same subject. And I do want to highly encourage every person if you have missed either the first part or the second part of this series to get those messages via cd or the internet and get caught up because i don't want to really want to take too much time in in reviewing or setting up the basis for the rest of the things i want to teach and say in this series and and so without having that you could have questions concerning what what i say or the validity of of making absolute statements concerning some of the things that jesus said However, if you go back, you'll have a a better foundation for that. Um, Amen. Amen. I do realize this, that probably the majority of us in here don't need for ourselves personally some of the things that I've already stated about the basis for truth and, and the rationale behind truth because we are established in it. However, we need to be prepared in life not only so our heart is Uh, you know grounded and secure and and confident and uh, again secure in him but so that we can give answers to those who are on the outside because there are many people today in our culture that are being taught directly contrary to the word of god and if you come to them sometime and say well well jesus said this well some people have been they've given so much mental thought to it they'll say well what does that mean to me why do i care what jesus said or how do i even know that jesus is real or many different questions. And as believers today, we've got to be able to have answers to those questions, okay? We're not just going to, uh, you know, lift our hands and praise the Lord and everyone's going to get saved. Amen. Say, <laughs> but isn't that what the Bible says? If we lift him up, all men will be drawn to him. <laughs> That's not what that means. <laughs> it's amazing how many times Christians quote that verse. And pastors, <laughs> preachers quote that verse. If we just praise the Lord, all people get saved. Whatever. That said, if Jesus would be lifted up on the cross, he would be crucified, then there would be a draw of all people, all right? But that doesn't take away from the the fact that you and I need to have answers for questions and a reason why we believe the things that we believe. Pilate had this same question here. He said, man, what is truth? How many understand truth is based in, or really what it is, it's reality. If something is real, that's true but we understand that reality is not limited to the physical uh, world we understand that reality exists beyond what we see with our physical eye and those who only live according to what they see and feel are very limited in life and they're they're very limited in what they can experience from the Lord and so we must uh, not be limited to sight but have understanding of things beyond that and of course we do. Uh, me, uh, Christians must be clear now And this is something real important for us. We must be clear in our minds about the exclusive claims of Jesus and the Word of God about salvation. Yes, we'll be punished for this. Uh, I said we're going to be persecuted for that stance. But the Bible is very clear. Not, it's not an inclusive book in this regard. Jesus was not an inclusive kind of guy in this regard. He didn't just accept everybody and all points of view and all manner of life and however you want to come, just come your own way. That was not his attitude. He said, I have come to bear witness to truth. And he was very uh, receptive of all who would come. But not with this mindset and attitude that just come exactly like you are, stay the way you are, we just love you however you want to be. No, we come messed up and should come to the Lord with an attitude of help me, change me, make me different. And even when it comes to us, most of us being believers, we are saved, all right? We're changed spiritually. But we should still come to the Lord with the mindset of, Lord, I want to think like You. I want to act like You. I want to be molded in that regard, in my mindset and in my beliefs to be just like You. So it's never, never do we approach the Lord and the things of God with, this is the way I am, you've just got to accept me. Well, how prideful is that? This is the way I am and you just need to... uh, just accept me just like I am and and, and, and let me be the way I want to be. And when you're full of pride. How about you just come the way you are with a attitude of humility. Recognizing that we're all a work in progress. That we all need to grow and learn and change and adapt. Not the Lord to us. Not everyone else adapt to me. Me adapt to the Lord. You adapt to the Lord and we all get along real good. How many understand even in a marriage relationship, it's not so much about a husband and a wife adapting to each other, and then so they can walk together in agreement. It's about two people adapting to the Lord, becoming more and more like Him, then they automatically come into agreement. Amen. Amen. And it's not based on some human level. And so again, the exclusive claims of Jesus. Let's look at two scriptures here. John 14, just a couple pages there to your left. John 14 and verse 6, you should all know this very well, 14:6 and know where it's at. Jesus said here, let's see, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm going to know you can just change one word in there and it makes, it say something completely different. I am what? A way a truth, a life, but that's not what the Lord said. He didn't say, I'm a good idea. I'm a good way to go. But you know, I'm just one of many. And for those of us who follow him, we don't have the right to go in and then manipulate his words and say, yeah, I serve the Lord, but I just think a person can get to God any way they want. Well, listen, the Lord you say you serve said the opposite of that. And we can't really call ourselves Christians and say the very opposite of the Christ in the in the Christian, say the opposite of the one we serve. That's not what he said. He made this statement. I know it's not real popular. You, are you saying? Are you saying that a person can't get to heaven unless they accept Jesus? Well, that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. I, I'm not in a position to make such a radical claim like that unless Jesus did. Then I'm going to have to go with it. You're saying that people can't be saved unless they accept Jesus. How, you know, exclusive of you. Well, if it's true, though, how unkind and unloving I would be to act like everything's okay. I know my mother said the other day on my wall. uh, She said, uh, because she listened to one of the previous messages in this series uh, on the Internet. And she said, I was at the gym. She said, I was uh, talking to a friend at the gym, and this friend of hers, her husband was, is about, I guess still is, real close to death and uh, about to pass away. Cancer, I think. I don't recall exactly. And, uh, and she said, I, I shared with, him, with her, because this is what her friend said, well, uh, you know, I know he's going to heaven because he was a real good man. And, uh, and so she shared differently. With him because how many know jesus didn't say that uh that's not what the bible teaches that you go to heaven if you're good bad people go to heaven good people go to hell if you want to be if you want to tell the truth about it <laughs> in other words what we're saying is saved people go to heaven those who've been forgiven because every no one's good in that regard but uh anyway she she said he, he's uh she shared with her friend differently that uh You know that's really not the basis and she didn't go into the details with me of what she shared but contrary to the idea that a good person goes to heaven and she said uh, you know unfortunately her friend got offended at that. Now here's a temptation for us as believers is in a situation like that where a person is at the point of a real grieving situation in life. I mean this woman's husband is real close to death and that's a challenge in and of itself there could be a temptation well you don't want to make her feel bad you don't want to make her feel any worse because already her husband's dying and you know maybe you should just act like yeah he is a good guy i'm sure you'll see him in heaven and and uh because that will make her feel better instantly it will she'll think oh yeah you know you're very accepting and yeah he's going to go to heaven and 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 uh But what if it's not true? What if it's not true? This is a tough thing sometimes that we're called to do. All right? We should seek out wisdom and be compassionate and be loving and look for the right opportunity and time and, and the way to say things. But we are not supposed to just avoid any discomfort for ourselves because of what it might do to another person. You think I don't want to offend the person? I don't want to either, but I have to risk it. That's why I need to say it in the right way, and Lord help me to say it in the right way to minimize that opportunity, the, the possibility of that. But I have to risk it. If someone is going to get offended because I tell them Jesus loves you, gave His life for your sins, and He's the way to God, He's the way to heaven. If someone's going to be offended at that, I'm going to have to risk that. Because I know sometimes they will be. But you know what? Other times, man, people will humble their heart. And this woman may have. Who knows? She didn't respond initially in a positive light. But when truth goes in as a seed, it starts to work. Say, what are you saying? I'm saying, I think my mother did the right thing. I think it was probably uncomfortable for her. I think probably she thought, Uh, Going away, man, I wonder if I did the right thing. I'm just speculating now. She didn't verbalize all this to me. Uh, But I know this, that sometimes we have to risk it and tell people the truth. Because if Jesus is right, good people don't make it. Only those who accept him. And this is something that is the foundational root of Christianity. And uh, we we need to be aware of it. Look at Acts chapter 4 with me as well. A related scripture acts chapter 4 verse 12 peter was preaching here to the jews preaching about jesus and he says in verse 12 nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved Notice, again, the exclusive claims. He said, hey, there's no other way this works. I'd like for it to work. I'd like for you to believe in whatever you want to believe in. Believe in, (laughs) you know, all kinds of interesting things, but that's not the way it works. There's there's only been one name given among men under heaven by which men must be saved. One. You're saying there's only one way. That's what the Bible says. And what right do I have? And on what basis do I say anything different? If, if I want to choose and say, well, no, I think there's lots of ways. I think there's exceptions. Where did I get that, though? Okay. I'm not saying you didn't get it somewhere. You might have got, may have gotten it somewhere. But you didn't get it from the Bible. And if you have a conviction and a basis for believing that this is true and that Jesus was raised from the dead and what he said will live, or stand and live forever then upon what basis do I contradict that? Did I just come up with it? Did I read it in someone else's book? And if I did, where did they get it? I was talking with a a person just a uh, a few days ago. And uh, this woman was a teenager when I was a youth pastor. and, And I had that relationship with her. And we were talking about another person that we also knew back then, you know, as a teen that this girl's now grown up and everything and and as an adult and and we haven't seen her, I haven't seen her for many years and she said she's she's not living for God. She's not walking with the Lord anymore. I thought, yeah, you know, that grieves my heart to hear that. I said, well, what's going on? What happened? And she said, well, she's got this new philosophy. She said she met this guy that was into these things and she read this book. And I don't even know what the book is. Someone wrote a book. Someone smoked pot, wrote a book. Uh, seriously, one of those kind of things. And, uh, and she read this book and she adapted that as her new philosophy of life and the meaning of life and everything, what it is. And I thought, how sad. Because what she did is she traded the words of the one who healed the sick and raised the dead and prophesied and fulfilled his own death and resurrection. I mean, the man. She traded that for some guy who had some creative words and had some philosophy, and again, was probably on drugs when he wrote it, and came up with some meaning of life. She said, eh, I'm going with this. And is no longer walking with the Lord. Ah, I think... Not only am I saddened with that, I'm thinking also, dumb. what are you doing? Could you use your brain? Just because someone who maybe, you know, from Seattle or something. Uh, <laughs> nothing against Seattle. You know, you know so something, someone came up with this philosophy, some idea, and wrote in a book, and now you're giving up what you know is transformed your life and you've experienced him what happened is truth became unreal it's like and listen i've known others who have had this happen before they they're christians they're saved they know the lord but they get so caught up with the world and just doing natural not necessarily even immediately sinful but just real natural stuff they're no longer in the word they're no longer in church and all of a sudden the things of god are not real to them anymore it seems like it seems distant it doesn't seem to be a reality. And I can tell you from my life, there are times when it it seems, I'm just talking about my experience now. We'll talk about experience here a little bit. But my experience, it seems that God is just so there in front of me at all times. He's just so real. The things of the Spirit are so real. I mean, at, at least as real as a as another human being or another person that we can touch. He's just so real than other times. It's like, huh. Is it, what's going on here? <laughs> it, it, you know, just by perception, things seem more distant. And again, we know God's not changing, and He's not doing that to us. But a lot of it is what we're, what we're thinking about, what we're feeding on. And, and uh, you know, in the Old Testament, well, it's Peter talked about it in the New Testament. But there was, there was a guy named Lot. Remember Lot? Abraham's nephew. And uh, Abraham let him choose the land that he wanted, and he chose Sodom and Gomorrah. It was looking like the plushest and the greenest and the nicest part of the country. And he said, I'm going there. Oops. And, and what happened was the scripture said that his righteous soul was vexed from day to day, hearing and seeing all the evil that was going on around him. It was a very evil place. I mean, evil, bull. <laughs> evil. My daughter says, whoosh. for the word wish whoosh i wish anyway uh (laughs) evil and he was around this stuff and you know the kind of evil but he was he was around this stuff all the time did it influence him oh big time will it influence you (laughs) big time how are we going to walk in the truth if we're surrounding ourselves with lies now, we're in the world. We're not going to be totally removed from it. We're not supposed to be monks and just go hide out from all the evil. We're supposed to be a light in the world. But we cannot surround ourselves day in and day out with junk. And we've got to be in the word. We've got to surround ourselves with those of like precious faith. And, uh, and you would just, uh, just to recap some of that story real quick. But you remember when uh, that place was about to be destroyed and the Lord sent some angels into town to go rescue lot and his family and these angels came in looking like men the men of that town said hey you know new meat here and they wanted to have you know they wanted to rape them and have have sex with them i mean it was a perverted place and 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 lot was me was a hospitable person he was trying to protect these guys and he said come on in here and they're out there banging on his door they're 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 Trying to, trying to get these guys, and, and watch what Lot does. He says, take my virgin daughters and have your way with them. And yet, this is Lot, the supposed righteous guy. Nephew of Abraham, father of faith. How, why in the world would he ever do something like that? I say what happened is over time. He was, his righteous soul was (laughs) vexed. He was being hit day in and day out and day in and day out by ungodliness. And you don't know what things you would allow yourself to do if you allow those type of things to, to constantly beat at you. Amen. This is how. Remember now, we live in the last days. All right we know that from the book of acts many of us would probably believe probably majority of us would say hey we're probably in the last of the last days we're in the end times well, what does the bible say about our day in the last days here's one thing some shall depart from the faith you don't depart from something you were not in that may, who who's he talking about that there okay let's extrapolate Some shall depart from the faith around the world. We are a microcosm of the church around the world. That means some of you are going to leave. I'm not prophesying your your doom individually. In the big picture, some of us are going to leave God. We're going to say, "Hmm, the Lord, this other stuff. I'm going with this." Say, "I, "I don't think that could happen." Has happened is happening is prophesied it would happen in our day how in the world would that be possible not with someone who's daily walking with the lord not with someone who's surrounding themselves with the fellowship of the saints someone who's in the word that person doesn't get deceived That person doesn't get messed up in that way. But it's the person who gets isolated. The person who is flooding their mind. Day in and day out. With things of this world. They'll at one point. They'll see the things of God and go. Is that even real? Hmm. And they may hear some other philosophy. Some charismatic personality on TV. They'll listen to a. Uh, you know listen to a bill maher or someone like that who's just you know you know who i'm talking about that comedian who's but very vile and anti-god and just uh and and all of a sudden he'll start making sense to you this happens to believers but it doesn't happen to believers who are walking with the lord who, who are in the word and who are doing the things they need to do but it does happen some of that stuff seems to make sense because uh when i say it makes sense I don't have a scripture on this. Let me just throw you out throw this out. We know that uh in the in the church world there is such a thing called anointing. Right? It's the power of God. God anoints myself, you, he 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 anoints he anoints us to do different things. He anoints me to teach and lay hands on the sick and and a lot of different amazing things. Powerful stuff, all right? If that's a spiritual power of God, could someone be anointed? by the devil that's why i say i don't have a scripture that says the devil anoints people but does he back his those who are speaking his will and his ways with evil spiritual power i i would say yeah and sometimes you'll see those who are spewing anti-god stuff and it's like wow this is powerful it is it's not god though and we must be aware and not, not even for a moment think, I could never fall for anything like that. I could never get off track. L- listen, those who may have loved God more than you do, may have known more word than you do, have gotten off track. This is not to cause us to fear and think, oh, man, am I going to fall away? No, just to be on guard and always keep a humble heart. For the Lord to correct us and, 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 and lead us back into the way that we should go. So again, why don't you go to John 17 with me. Back to this. If you want to throw out the one way aspect of Christianity. And just accept the parts that you want. Upon what basis do you do this? I'm telling you, it is human reasoning. It makes logical sense for a person to, to discover that they believe the Word and they, the Word of God and, and have a good reason why they believe it beyond just, you know, I was raised that way. We have good substantial reasoning for why we accept this as the Word of God. But if a person wants to just say, well, I believe some of it, well, on what basis do you do that? If you say, well, I believe John 14:6. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. However, some other parts of my life, and this is one of those things we have people doing all day long. We have people who accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. They make Him the Lord of their life, and they've committed to His claims of being the way to God. But there are so many other areas of their life that they don't give Him equal authority in. And they'd argue tooth and nail. No, you can't accept. There's no other way. There's no other way to be saved. You must receive the Lord because, you know, Jesus prayed, remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane, if there be another way, let this cup pass from me. Obviously, the answer was, there is no other way. I mean, that was, that was Jesus. That was the man. He's talking to the Father, saying, is there a, can we do this a different way? I'd kind of like to get out of this. Is there a back way into saving these people? And the answer was, no, you've got to do this. So there's no other way. No other way, if there was another way, Jesus went to the cross in vain. And so we understand that. But if he made those claims and then also said a whole bunch of other stuff about how we should live our lives and conduct ourselves, on what basis do we accept him as Savior but ignore his leading and his direction for our lives? Say, do people do that? People do. Listen, how many, uh, uh, you don't have to raise hands or feet or anything today, but h- how many uh, How many think you probably know of some Christians, saved people who hold bitterness and unforgiveness towards other people? Are we supposed to take that as any less important than what Jesus said about him being the way to salvation? Yeah, I accept your words there, but this stuff about loving your enemies, hmm, this stuff you said about marriage, hmm. This stuff you said about how we conduct our lives and and what we do with our our, our money and what we do with all of the things that have to do with us. Uh, Well, you know, that's up to interpretation. That's a cop-out. That's a cop-out. And people are taking the Word of God and saying, I like this and I don't like this. And we'll preach this with conviction. Yeah, 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 this is right. This is the only way. And what about this? Well... Yeah, yeah. The Bible says you can only get into heaven through Jesus. And the same Bible also said go to church. Well, how many think there are any Christians in our city saved people who don't go to church? Yeah. Yeah, we had someone here recently. Uh, a few months ago to a healing meeting to healed, Saved A, a believer first time in 15 years they had been in church Think, what's up with that you accept what jesus said about salvation but you don't accept what the word has to say about other things and so those are just a few examples we have this happening rampant what you should do is make sure you're not that weird make sure you're not that flaky where you just i'll take that but this you know i'm just gonna we'll see let's gonna go that's kind of Let's go with all of it. Because again, if we do, on what basis do we throw one thing out and throw another and accept another part? What's the logic there? John 17, 17. Jesus said in a prayer to the Father, He said, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You want to to ask the question, answer the question, what is truth? Jesus said it's whatever the Father said. Whatever God said, He said, that's true. And that's what we need to live by. And so we acknowledge that in some areas, but not in, not, in, not in other areas. Look at Romans chapter 1. If we knowingly resist truth, we open ourselves up to believing lies. What is false? Uh, listen to what I'm saying now. If we knowingly resist truth. I know it's true, but I'm choosing it by my choice, and God gives us that right, I choose to do different from what I know. I am opening myself up to deception or believing what is false. Okay? Without the grace of God, you can't discern between good and evil, between right and wrong. We've got to be committed to truth. Now, here's why that works. I know something's true, and yet I'm not going to do it. I choose for temptation's sake, for comfort's sake, for path of least resistance's sake, whatever it is, I choose to do something else. I'm not going to be happy about myself for doing that. I'm not going to feel good about my life for choosing opposite of what I know I'm supposed to do. I'm going to feel guilty. I'm going to feel a little bit condemned. I don't want to feel that way. It's not comfortable. It's not enjoyable to feel bad about your life. So my answer is, I either have to repent and do this, because I know it's right, even though I don't want to do it. When I say me, I'm talking my flesh. Or, I've got to convince myself that what I'm doing is okay. And if I start down that path, I've entered into a road of self-delusion. Where I am convincing myself to believe a lie. I've got to believe, and usually it'll start with, It's not so bad. It's not like, it's not such a big deal. I mean, I know other people who are Christians, and they do this, and they're fine. And we'll start, I mean, the brain will go to work actively. I mean, sometimes you'll feel inspired with how you can justify your behavior. (laughs) So, I mean, because you'll get thought, well, yeah, well, yeah, well, what about this? Well, what about this? If you ever say, well, where does the Bible say anything about this? You ever have this idea, this thought? Maybe you don't know the whole Bible but again here, again this is how it works people convince themselves this is right this is the way this is the w- this is what you should do and i'm making this acceptable and the whole time i'm doing that i'm deceiving my heart if i keep going down that path i will convince myself that what i'm doing is right not just okay it goes into yeah this is good this is i believe this is right and you can literally be sincere about it at that point i know people who lie I grew up with a guy who lied so much, he convinced himself that his lies were true. He really believed some of the things that he said because he lied so often. And what we have got to avoid doing is convincing ourselves that what we're doing that's wrong is right. I can call what's right wrong and what's wrong right, but it doesn't change what is. Things are what they are. You are where you're at today. Your life is what it is, no matter what you convince yourself of. That's what, why it should be a, a, a goal of ours, an absolute pursuit to see clearly, to know and understand truth above anything else, so I don't live in a lie and I think I'm good. I think I'm acceptable, yeah. God loves what I do. Maybe He does, maybe He doesn't. But self-delusion is a great temptation. In Romans 1.25, the Scripture speaks of people who exchange the truth of God for a lie they exchanged the truth of god for a lie imagine that you got truth you got a lie and they said you know what i'm going with a lie really you're really going to do that they did in verse 28 that first chapter it says and even as they did not like to retain god in their knowledge think about it they had god in their knowledge and they chose not to retain god in their knowledge God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. He said, you don't want to hold on to your knowledge of me? You don't want to hold on to truth and what's right? All right, go ahead. And their minds became messed up. They became debased to where they could actually... their mind. Right now, a lot of us, our minds will not let us act certain ways. It won't. We just know it's wrong, it's corruptible, it's just debased. I would never do that. But if you purposefully and knowingly have truth and have a knowledge of God and say, I'm not going to do it. You've just entered the pathway to a debased mind where you will eventually, if stayed on that path, do all kinds of abominable things that you could never imagine today. It's a dangerous thing for a Christian to knowingly disobey truth. I don't mean they fall off the cliff just like that. But it sets us on a path where we'll start to justify and make what is wrong right in our own minds. And that's dangerous. There is right and wrong. There is truth. And there are things that are false. And the way that we keep these things in order is by giving truth a high priority and a rightful place in our minds. Amen. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. We've got to wrap things up here this morning 2nd Timothy chapter 3 listen there are those who don't know the truth and there are those who know it but resist it the latter is worse what do you know that you're supposed to do you don't need to respond to me but be honest with yourself what do you know that you're supposed to do some have not thought, well, does it doesn't really matter. Is it really going to make that big a difference? It really does. It's a, there's a fork in the road every time we're presented with a choice to do right and wrong. To do what we know is true and do, to do what we know is false. And we're taking different pathways. You may have taken the wrong pathway in the past. And that's where forgiveness and repentance and the blood of Jesus can help you get you back. But never underestimate the power of making the wrong choice. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 9, verse 8. It says, Paul writing to Timothy said, Now as Janus and Jambrus resisted Moses, so do these, these people he's talking about, they also resist the truth. They're men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. He said, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. Now who's he talking about here? He's talking about Janice and Jambres and who in the world are they? And if you do a Bible search and do a concordance search, you're not going to find them. This is the only place in the in our Bible that you find record of these guys, but obviously those whom he was writing to, to Timothy here, they knew who they were. Otherwise, you don't just throw out names. Have you ever <laughs> talked to people who do that? Well, I was over there talking to, you know, Steve and Jimmy and uh, and uh, Okay, who are steve and jimmy (laughs) all right some people do do that paul didn't do that (laughs) i could go on a little tangent there but (laughs) Uh, paul didn't do that he was talking about these two guys and they knew who, who, who he was talking about now we can know this it's not in the scripture but there are some references to these guys in in books external from the bible uh and what they're referring to what they knew these were some of the magicians that stood up against moses they resisted moses when he was coming before pharaoh with the 10 plagues and uh and that whole judgment and getting israel out of out of egypt's captivity and so these are some of the magicians you remember what happened uh moses was going going there throw down his rod and and things would happen these magicians came and threw down the rods they turned into snakes and Moses threw down his rod, and his snake ate up theirs. Right? And uh, it, it, what they were doing, they were resisting truth. Truth, what truth? That Moses was bringing. God's messenger and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. They were standing against it and acting like, ah, this is nothing. we got to be aware, because these things happen today. People are trying to undermine, and the enemy is trying to undermine the truth that has been lodged in your brain to get you off path. And he came in with an argument. These guys came in and said, well, we can do this too. Well, we can do these tricks. What's the big deal about this and this and this and and, and some of these miraculous signs? Well, how many know that their argument only lasted so long? Their snakes got eaten up. Boils came and they got them too. <laughs> right? Well, if you're so tough, just see you get rid of the boil, dude. But obviously God's power always overrode the other power, but they were saying, Ah, this is nothing more than magicians' tricks, a little sorcery, what Moses is doing, this is nothing special. People will come come against us, come against you, and say, Well, what you believe in what this gospel stuff and the Lord Jesus is not not a big deal. It, it's nothing special, it's just the same as everything else. But obviously God's power always won in the end. And Paul said, just like they resisted Moses, he's talking about these people that have come into the church of Ephesus and trying to corrupt them and saying, hey, Paul's not the apostle of this work. Timothy's not your pastor. You don't have to listen to them. They're, he's undermining their authority and what they're saying. So they will hold what they say as equal to or less than what others say, particularly themselves. They're trying to prop themselves up by resisting the truth. But I, th- I, like, I like what Paul said uh, here. By this example and another time when he was dealing with the uh, corinthians and and people were questioning his authority and what he was able to do there he said listen and i'm just paraphrasing here you can look up these scriptures he said because they were coming against him saying he's he's a big talker in his letters but when he comes and speaks he's not very powerful and uh you know he said listen when i come to you i'm coming in the demonstration of the spirit of god and power he said, when I come unto you, uh, I, you you're going you're to see what I'm about. And it's amazing. He used the power of God as something to validate his apostleship and the rightful place that God had given him. In other words, if you can't put up, shut up. If you're just all about words, if you're all about arguments, you're all just about these claims, but you have no power, then get out of here. And he was setting himself up. How many understood? He knew who he was. He knew what he had. He knew what he could do. When he showed up there, he's going to have some miracles. He's going to have some results. It's not all just about an argument. And I believe strongly that believers ought to have a rationale. We ought to have a, a, a good explanation for why we believe what we believe and be able to explain and defend the gospel. But you know, ultimately, it's not just about words. It's not just about having another argument. We either serve a living God who will be on display in our lives or we don't. If we if we if if our Christianity is all about an argument, our relationship with God is all about my arguments better than your argument, but we don't have any demonstration of God's power, we're missing something. Paul stated, this is how I can show you. And listen... Uh, you can look throughout history and see wherever Jesus has been preached, man, lives have been changed for the better. I'm not talking about they turn into terrorists. I'm not talking about he accepted them and now you know now we're gonna blow some people up. I'm talking about people who are mean become nice. I'm talking about people who are sick get healed. I'm talking about people who are just you know rude and ugly and addicted to this and that and they get set free that's a hallmark of where the gospel is preached throughout history and if i came here and said i'm going to have a we're going to build a great church and and we're going to preach the truth and all we do is preach the truth and have a good social gathering and we barbecue well but no one's even nice I mean, lives are not changed. We don't take the drug addict and get him free. Don't take the cancer patient and knock the cancer off of him. If we don't see any of that, I'm not up to this. I'm not into this. I'm, I, I'm saying, hey, this is not real. And I believe that's one of the aspects of the gospel that we must acknowledge to be essential in our day. That we not only have the right words, but what do we have? We've got the power to back it up. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm totally out of time. I wish I could say a few more things. We'll we'll come back. We'll get into some, some of this some more. Remember, remember, though, what Jesus said. We already read it in John 17, 17. He said, sanctify them by your truth. What sets you and I apart as believers, what sets us up as Christians, what sets the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world up as different is truth sanctification means separation are you listening to me sanctification means he sets us aside with truth if we don't have truth deeply rooted and established in our lives governing our conduct and way of thinking then we're just like the rest of the world this is so important compassion yes help those in need yes never give up the truth that's what guides us father thank you so much today for your life Thank you for your goodness. I thank you for ministering to each and every one of us now. You're doing good things in our hearts. You're preparing and equipping us for the days ahead. So that we can be protected. Kept from all evil. Kept from all harm in every way. Thank you for establishing us in truth. For setting us apart and setting us up. By your truth. Give you all the praise for this today. Father, I pray for any person who's come to church today that's not saved.